blessing of grace and mercy, a blessing of peace and love, Lord. Lord, a blessing that we don't deserve, but that we receive because we're looked after and watched over by a Father God. Well, good evening. Would you would you stand with us and uh, lift your voice in worship tonight? Your favor, Lord, is our desire. 
pray together. Our Father in heaven, we do need your mercy, and we thank you, Lord God, that your mercies are new every single morning. We thank you, Lord God, that we do have difficulties for every day, but you say to us that sufficient is the grace for today. So, Lord, teach us to live every day, day by day, hour by hour, depending, Lord God, on your mercies that are new every single day, depending, Lord God, on your grace that is sufficient for our every weakness. So I pray, Lord God, that you would go before us today. I pray that you would manifest yourself into this place, Lord. Draw near in, 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 with your presence, Lord God. And as you draw near and make yourself known to us through your word, through the singing of your praises, Lord God, I pray that we would sense your love, that we would sense your love and that we would be convinced more deeply of your steadfast love towards us. And God, I pray that we would gain a deeper sense of your holiness. I pray that we would... Fear you, Lord God, not in an unhealthy way, but, Lord God, in a way that brings us life, that brings us confidence, because you say that in the fear of God there is great confidence. We know, Lord God, that we were sinners and that we have no right to be in your presence, and yet you have made a way for us, Lord, through, the, through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross to pay for our sins, Lord God. We can come now into your presence as children of God. So let, may we come into your presence, Lord God, with great confidence, but also fearing and revering your holy name, knowing that sin was an eternal offense against you. And sin, Lord, caused the Lord Jesus Christ to be put upon the cross to be a propitiation for our sins. Knowing, Lord God, that it was our sin that caused you to bleed and to die and to suffer. So, Father, help us gain a deeper sense of your holiness. Help us to gain a clearer vision of your love for us in Christ Jesus, and we, it's in his name that we pray all these things, and all God's people said, amen. Welcome to worship. You may be seated. I want to welcome you all. Thank you so much for being here tonight at GCF. Um, if you are new with us, if you're visiting, if you have any questions about the life of the church, you can tear off this portion on the back bulletin, and um, we can answer your questions, you can put them in the black box in the back. And of course, these things stay confidential. Let's go ahead and quote the fighter verse, shall we? From Proverbs chapter 4. Let's do this together. Um, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Proverbs 4, 23 through 24. Amen. We fight the fight of faith with these truths that our hearts are the wellspring of life. 
The stuff that comes out of our mouths is stuff that's ruminating deep in our hearts, and it comes out. So when we say things, when we act certain ways, these are indications of deeper realities within us. And that's the way the Proverbs helps us to fight the fight of faith. It helps us, like a good car mechanic will tell you, this is your problem. When you take your car in, you want to know what's the problem, right? You want them to get to the bottom of it. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's a good counselor who helps us diagnose where our issues are really coming from. So that's how we fight the fight of faith with these fighter verses. Um, I want to alert you to this uh, yellow insert here. We've got announcements, and then on the back there's upcoming events as well. Our quarterly business meeting is scheduled, rescheduled to next Sunday. That's October 11th at 6 p.m. So that was supposed to be tonight, but um, we are going to bump that back to next week, and then we're going to have, after our abbreviated service today, um, right, uh, hopefully it'll be a fairly seamless transition into kind of an all-church meeting, almost like a family gathering, family meeting type of thing. So that's what's on tap for today. Um, so thank you for being here and making that a priority. And then we have our Student Ministries Bike Day, October 10th. If you are interested, if you're in grade 6 to 12, 12 um, and you are interested in doing that, you can read about the details there and contact me if you'd like to sign up. Would you rise? And we will continue to worship the Lord. One last thing I should say, continue to rise. You can do that. Um, if you didn't grab a communion cup on your way in, uh, the way that we're going to do communion is by you grabbing a cup. We're not going to pass them out. They are out there in the lobby. If you didn't grab one for yourself and everybody in your row that is going to be taking communion, you can do that uh, right now. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your steadfast love to us. Thank you for your kindness, Lord God. It is your kindness, Lord God, that leads us to repentance. Cause us, Lord God, during this service to search our hearts Lord God, and to say with King David, if there's any grievous way in me, if there's any hidden sin, Lord, bring it to light, we pray. We pray that you would expose in us the depths of our heart. We pray that you would dig deep, Lord God, and help us, Lord God, to see, Lord, what we don't see, what we don't understand about ourselves. And I pray, Lord God, that we would present to you a heart of humility, that we would repent, knowing, Lord God, that you have made a way, that you have put forward a sacrifice in Christ so that if we do confess our sins, we don't have to wonder, is he going to receive it or not? We know the answer is yes. Our Father in heaven will receive our repentance because Christ has paid the price in full for it. So we pray, Lord God, you would teach us to bring our sins to you. We pray that you would expose our sins, and I pray, Lord God, that you would lead us to repentance through your kindness. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.
Christ, it is our joy to worship you tonight. It is our joy to proclaim that you and your kingdom will have no end. And we praise you for calling us to follow you, to trust you, to walk with you, to obey you. And that is our heart's desire tonight. And that is our heart's desire for the week that lies ahead, God. We worship you tonight. We ask you for your shepherding grace and guidance tonight. We ask that you'd visit us now as we remember specifically the, your body broken for us, your blood shed for us, Jesus. We just welcome you here. Not that you need our welcoming. You are here, but we gladly do welcome your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening. <laughs> Thanks, Buster. I appreciate that. Uh, it's good to be here. Um, due to the nature of our order of worship tonight, um, we felt it was appropriate to, to have a little longer than normal communion devotional. So I'm, I'm actually going to refer to three passages of Scripture. Um, during this devotional, and mostly, I, I didn't write out what I wanted to say. I really wanted to let the scripture speak to us tonight. So as we go through each of these three passages, I just want to add some of my personal reflections to them about the topic of unity and how that fits into the idea of a communion service. So why do we do communion? Well, the words on many Many communion tables that we used to grow up with said, this do in remembrance of me. That's the words in the scripture that where Jesus instituted um, the ordinance itself. He goes, this do in remembrance of me. So, but what are we supposed to remember? What are we supposed to take away from this act? Oh, by the way, I forgot to get mine. Mark, I left it on my table right over there. Would you mind getting it for me? Thanks. Right right there. Thanks. Maybe I put it in my pocket. All right, thanks. Sorry about that, everybody. I thought I was prepared. I thought I was going to bring one up for myself. At any rate. Well, our communion service tonight involves using these little prepared cups and, and breads rather than passing a a, a cup and a plate, um, but when we get to that, we'll we'll do that together. But when we do that, what does it symbolize? What is it? What are we supposed to remember from it? Um, well, I think these three passages speak a lot to that. So, first, I'm going to look at at John 17, Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Then I'm going to go to First Peter 4. Thank you. Then I'm going to go to 1 Peter 4, and then we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians 5. So we're going to look at those three particular scriptures. So as we look at John 17, the context here is Jesus has just had this supper together with his disciples. Um, and he takes them to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he goes away to pray. Some of the other gospels give some details about 
how he, he took Peter, James, and John a little further with him, uh, deeper into the garden. And so they were most likely there to hear what he prayed, uh, John in particular, because he records it in this book. So starting at verse 20, uh, it's subtitled here, starting at verse 20, Jesus prays for all believers. Now, starting in verse 6, he prays for all his disciples, uh, prays for his disciples in particular. And then in verse 20, he broadens his prayer by saying, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So in this, in this short part of the prayer, Jesus is praying for unity. He's praying not only that, but that the unity displayed by believers would be a testimony and a witness to the rest of the world. Um, so what do we do when we participate in communion? We affirm that. We affirm that commitment within our local church that we are going to live in unity with one another and thus display the gospel to the world. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. What does that mean to be in Christ, to be in us? So in unity with God that the world sees it. That's a very good question. One that we each need to wrestle with and answer ourselves. Well, let's look at 1 Peter next, 1 Peter 4. If you're thumbing through your Bible, it's right after the book of Hebrews. Well, after there's a book of James and then the book of 1 Peter. So in 1 Peter 4, this is one of my all-time favorite passages here, starting in verse 7 through 11. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. So I think Peter, who was also there in the garden with Jesus, this is one of his attempts to talk about what it means to be in unity with each other and with the Father. So starting in verse 7, it says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. What does that mean, the end of all things is near? Well, if you believe that Jesus' return is imminent at any time. Through the last 2,000 years, Jesus and Peter want us to believe that we need to behave as if the end of all things is near. How are you going to behave if you know that you're going to die a week from now or something? You're going to behave differently. So in one way, God wants us to behave as if the end of all things is near. And therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Because the end of all things is near, he wants us to be clear-minded and self-controlled. Why? So that when we pray, our prayers are effective. 
If you feel like your prayers are hitting a wall or hitting a ceiling, like you're not necessarily hearing from the Lord like you have in the past or want to, one of the things to think about is, am I doing these things about unity? Am I clear-minded and self-controlled so that I can pray? And verse 8 and 9 really kind of highlight, what does it mean? Why do we need to be self-controlled? Why do we need to be clear-minded? So that we can love each other deeply in verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. As we rub up against each other, there's friction. Um, there's going to cause tension and strife as we rub up against each other in our sinful nature. But what does Peter say? Love covers over those minor frictions, those minor irritations, those things that bother us. Love each other deeply because it covers over a multitude of sins. Verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So not only are we supposed to offer hospitality to one another, but to do it without grumbling. So what does that mean for you? To actually, maybe you don't grumble to others, but maybe you grumble to yourself, or maybe to your significant other, uh, or maybe to your children. You might grumble to your parents when they ask you to be hospitable to someone. Peter here saying, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's one way to love each other deeply, to offer hospitality. Each one, now this is in verse 10, and this is really where I start thinking about what does it mean to live a life of worship? As, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So whether we eat or drink, the most common things we do can be done to the glory of God. Well, I think verse 10 and 11 are an answer to that. How do we do that? How do we eat or drink so it gives glory to God? Well, one way, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Each one should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. How does God's grace reach us? Through each other. By faithfully administering God's grace. By using whatever gift we've received, that is a minister of grace to each other. God's grace reaches us through others, through our body, through our local church. As we saw in John 17, that unity of the local body is, demonstrates God's love for the world. And then in verse 11, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. When you speak with each other, be mindful that by administering God's grace, you're speaking the very words of God to each other. It kind of puts a kibosh on being harsh or critical um, as we talk with one another. We're speaking the very words of God. At least we're supposed to speak as if we are speaking the very words of God. We don't always do it, do we? If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So we not only in our speech, but in our service. 
Do it with the strength God provides. We're going to tap into that strength that God provides as the Holy Spirit nudges us to do an act of service. Uh, as, as we notice a child drop a stuffed toy out of, out of their walker, stroller, and you notice that, go pick it up and, and, and return it. That's an act of service, and it's God serving through you that gives you the strength to not only recognize it, but to do something about it. Um, just one of many examples how the Holy Spirit nudges us to serve others with His strength, with His guidance. Well, why do we do this? The last half of verse 11 says, So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So again, that harkens back to that 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. So we speak with the, word, the words of God. We serve with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Well, the, la- the third of the passages I wanted to highlight for you all is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 12. These are called the body life commands by some theologians. And there's a bunch of different examples of how to live life in unity with each other here. So I'm not going to make a comment on each one of them, but I'm going to read through it. And, and um, then I just want to pause and let you read through it again and think about it as, as we... Uh, Ponder these words, these commands of Paul that God gave Paul to give to the rest of us through the Thessalonians. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love, because of their work. So that's speaking about how we can love our pastors and our elders and our leaders our Sunday school teachers, children, how you can love your parents who admonish you. Um, Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. So live in peace with each other. Boy, that's a hard command when we think about it. It sure is easy to start holding grudges if we feel we've been wronged. I, I had a man who borrowed $10,000 from me back in the 80s, and he never paid me back. Christian brother. And for 20 years, I harbored a grudge against that man. And I got some counsel that I needed to let that go. I needed it because it was causing me to be bitter. It wasn't harming him. It was harming me. Live in peace with each other. Then starting in verse 14, And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Sometimes, especially in college, 
I was questioning, what's God's will for me? What does he want me to do with my life? What, does he want, what vocation does he want me to do? Well, that's the wrong question. Here it is. What's God's will for me? To do all these things in these previous verses. To be kind to one another. To be patient with everyone. To help the weak. To warn those who are idle. So there, there, there's some admonishment that goes on there, but it's, it's done carefully with the love of Christ. Remember, anyone who speaks should speak as though speaking the very words of God. If you serve, do it with the strength God provides. So, in answer to the question, why do we do communion? There are aspects to it that reflect back and remember the actual sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross. There's the looking forward to the reunion with the bride in heaven aspect of why we do this. But one of the main reasons we do this is to remind us that we are a body and we are commanded, not just encouraged, but commanded to live in peace with each other and to love each other deeply. So, as we reflect on these commands, let's now participate in communion together and make that commitment to each other and before the Lord that we are going to try to obey these commands to the best of our ability. We are going to try to love each other deeply. We're going to try to speak as though speaking the very words of God. We're going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to nudge us into acts of service that He wants us to do. So on the night Jesus was betrayed, earlier in John, the book of John, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this do in remembrance of me. Let us now take this bread together in remembrance of him. Now it takes a little care to peel the juice lid back without spilling any, so be careful as you do it. And then later during the supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the blood of my covenant. This represents the blood I'm spilling for you to wash you clean, to give you the ability to obey these commands, to give you that unity with me and the Father through the Holy Spirit. So as we drink this cup, let's pledge together to live in unity with each other with the strength God provides. Let me pray. Father God, you sent your son to save us. You sent your son to show us the way. You sent your son as a propitiation, big word, but it means as a sacrifice, as a replacement, as a covering over of our sins so that we can have fellowship with you. We thank you and praise you for that, Lord. We so much want to live up to the ideals set forth in Scripture by Peter and Paul and Jesus himself. We ask your help, Lord. 
we ask your help to nudge us in the right direction. To keep us mindful that we speak the very words of God as we speak to one another. In Jesus' name we pray.
Let me just pronounce the blessing on you and officially close our worship service. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go with him.
Let me officially, you can be seated. Please be seated. Let me officially bring our worship service to a close. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get into a meeting. If you would like to excuse yourselves, um, you certainly can. Um, but I will pray, and we will continue and commence our church meeting. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for your love to us. Thank you so much, Lord God, for the word that Dave spoke to us. Thank you for the reality of communion, the reality of what it symbolizes, namely Jesus, his body and blood, his body broken for us sinners. Thank you that you took that bread the night before you were betrayed and that you um, you broke it and you gave thanks for it, Lord God. Thank you that you had a thankful and willing heart to go to the cross to pay for our sins. I pray, Lord God, that you would direct us now. I pray that you would give us clarity, and I pray, Lord God, that you would manifest your presence in our midst so that, Lord, we would have your mind, that we would respond in grace, and, Lord God, that you would comfort us as we uh, try to make sense of um, our situation. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to go ahead and read a letter um, so that I don't add too much and I don't miss anything. I'm going to go ahead and read this, and just so you're aware, this will be in your inbox later tonight so that those who weren't here will be able to hear what's going on. So without, uh, and after this, um, after we read this, um, I want to open it up to some questions. You guys are free to ask and uh, questions. We'll do our best to, to, to answer and provide answers. Uh, you should know that this is a letter that was crafted by myself and um, Dave and Craig Prange, who are acting deacons right now at the church. We also consulted one or two other people for wisdom and feedback. So here we go. Dear GCF, it is with a heavy heart that I inform you that, I'm sorry, uh, with a heavy heart that I inform you of Pastor Charlie's resignation from GCF, effective as of Friday, October 2nd, 2020. When Pastor Charlie was absent last weekend, it was because he and Kim had taken the week to pray about their ability to continue at GCF. Many of you know and are aware of the onslaught of grief and trial the Handrons have faced. Many of you might even remember how burnout was a topic that came up at the annual meeting in January, much before the COVID crisis and their continuing season of intense family trials. Since Pastor Charlie has returned from his leave over the summer, the burdens only have only increased. Several families have left the church, and along with other ministry-related issues and difficulties, the compounding effect came to a head last week, and both Charlie and Kim needed to take a step back and assess their ability to serve the needs of the congregation at this particular time. We love Pastor Charlie and Kim and are extremely thankful for their love, support, shepherding, teaching, discipleship, and leadership they have provided all of us personally and corporately. We love and support the Handrons and wish them the best in their future endeavors. 
We will continue to uphold them in prayer as they endure a difficult season of their lives. To read a portion of Pastor Charlie's resignation letter, here are a few reasons stated as to their departure. Quote, given my current spiritual and emotional state, I do not think I can lead the church at this time, especially in light of the COVID crisis, the racial and cultural crisis, and the current election cycle, which is getting more contentious by the day. Given the severe and ongoing nature of our personal circumstances, my family cannot obtain the help and healing we need while I am in ministry, whether at GCF or elsewhere. And so I think it is best for me to put my ministry aside for a season and prioritize the well-being of my family. Therefore, I hereby resign as the pastor of preaching and vision at GCF effective immediately. In accordance with GCF's employee handbook, I have left all of GCF's digital print and real property in my possession in the church office along with my login credentials for various accounts. Further, the employee handbook makes no provision for severance pay, and in light of the state of the church and the outlook of its finances, I make no request for the same. We realize, oh, I'm sorry, close quote. We realize that it may be confusing to you that Charlie and Kim are not here to make the announcement in person. Let us affirm that he has not been terminated nor did he resign at anyone's request. After prayer and counsel, he has chosen to step away from ministry as stated above. Please understand that the Handrens are hurting and emotionally drained and simply felt that they could not handle the emotion of saying goodbye at this time. They also felt it was best for us to communicate on their behalf and believed it would be a better course of action for everyone. While we as a board of deacons and elders did not wish for this to happen, we have also come to recognize the wisdom in it and now affirm it as the right course of action. We will answer any questions you have with as much candor as we can and therefore ask that you avoid unhelpful speculation and gossip that will only divide us. We will postpone the normal quarterly strategy meeting from today to next Sunday, the 11th, after the service, where we hope to discuss with you our plans moving forward as well as publishing a scheduled agenda of items. Let me close by reading Psalm 46 to us for our remembrance. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God.
I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let me offer a word of prayer. As this sinks in, I want to allow an open time of discussion. Just so you're all aware, we're not recording this. So your ask questions or responses or anything won't be on the internet. Let me pray. Lord, we need your help. We need your wisdom. 